Uh, Logan checking in from the YouTube side. Thank you, sir, for getting us some views on YouTube. So did anybody have a worse day than Bears fans? Yeah, the Jets, the Giants, the Steelers, the Bengals. Oh, yes, I, I was I was literally beside. I was hungover downstairs in our game room watching the Steelers game because I don't have cable. Um, and just had random people walking in, watching me in my Steelers garb, just like sink lower into a depression. So yeah, yeah, a lot of people have worse days than Bears fans. Jets fans, Aaron Rodgers himself. Big loser, Sean's local cable provider for not inking him to a contract. Speaking of getting the morning started. For the victory lap, though. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should suffer, come work for. Train in the trees, please walk my sycamore. Welcome to another episode of the Gridiron Podcast. I'm Nick Shook. That is Sean Barry. This is episode 14, and you may be wondering where Katie is. She is not with us tonight. Uh, she is handling a personal matter related to her beloved dog, Carl, who... Uh, best friend of the podcast. Yeah, best friend of the podcast. Not to get off on a somber note, but uh, Carl's in uh, his final days or so. He's... Um, He's, he's uh, in stage four of, of uh, cancer diagnosis. So our thoughts and uh, are with Katie. And uh, we're sending you love, Katie. And I know everybody who watches and listens to the podcast and is a big fan of Conturby Ducky is sending you love <laughs> as well. Uh, we look forward to when you rejoin us. But Sean, uh, week one of the NFL is in the books. And I, I don't think I have to um, you know, go overboard in describing how much excitement surrounded the start of the NFL season for most everybody, except for you by halftime. I'm well, sorry. if we want to get right into the, the nitty gritty of it, I was going to, I was going to wait for that later, but yeah, no, there was so much excitement built up around this because you had so many different storylines heading into this season. The biggest one, I think probably being, you, you know, Aaron Rodgers heading to the jets. We all saw how that turned out Monday night. I mean, for, first of all, was there any, you know, American, watching that game Monday night, who, who who's like arm hair didn't stand up as soon as they saw Aaron Rodgers run out of the tunnel at a dark MetLife stadium, holding the American flag under a spotlight on 9-11. Like, was there anyone that didn't have absolute and immediate chills only for 10 minutes later, his season ended? Yeah, I got to admit, um, when it comes to pregame presentation, I think a lot of times it's canned, it's manufactured. That was not. No. That was um, a special in New York, moment. New Jersey. You know, yeah. on September 11th, it, it it is it is what kind of makes you fall in love with sports. And then, unfortunately, we see the other side of that coin just a couple of minutes later. Um, other than that, I mean, there was there was you're right. There was so much build up. We got to see a heck of a kickoff game last Thursday: Chiefs and Lions. Everyone wanted to know: Are the Lions for real? I think they answered that question. They are, in fact, for real. I feel like, though, at the beginning of the season, you can always count on the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals to kind of lay a clunker. And what do you know? They kind of all did, except for really the Chiefs. The Chiefs played a good game. Um, I hate to be the guy who counters your statement with facts, but last year, week one, the Bills beat the Rams 31 to 10 in the, in the kickoff game, which was highly anticipated and ended up being a clunker uh, because the Rams didn't mean the show up. First week, I'm just saying they are usually good for an early season clunker. Yeah, um, you're not wrong. Actually, the 49ers are a team. Not to, I'm not intentionally bringing this back your way, but the 49ers no, are that's a team fine. that traditionally struggles to get out of the gate on the right foot, and they did not. Um, yeah. I don't want to dive right into that. We'll get into that later. Uh, what are your takeaways? I mean, you just said, dude, maybe they are for real from that Lions game against the Chiefs. I know we're about a week past it now. And the next Thursday night game is going to be coming up by the time that you hear this. If you're not watching us live on Twitch or YouTube, but you can find us at YouTube, uh, the Gridiron Pod page, and at the Nick Show on Twitch. Um, I still feel like we need to talk about this game, though, because what I don't want to do is say, well, you know, if they had Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, they probably would have won. But also in those final drives, if Travis Kelsey. But also, the if field, they had Travis Kelsey score. on the field, they probably would have won. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. I don't want to be that guy, but I have to admit that. And, and then the way the Lions put it away by running it up the middle, that's where Chris Jones operates. Um, how much stock do you put into that for the Lions? 
I mean, they play, they still played against the defending champs on banner night, albeit without two of their play, best players, sure. But at the same time, the Lions were hyped coming into this, and they looked pretty good. That being said, I still think they have some problems. Their biggest one, and I might get knocked for this, I think is still Jared Goff. Oh, this God. team will go this. Why? Why can't I think that? Ahead, this team will point, go as point. far. This team will go as far as he takes them. Okay, that's fair. And and that's a safe I'm not state. saying he played poorly. I'm just saying I noticed some okay. things that's like okay, um you could have you could have put that game away earlier actually if if Jared Goff had made some better decisions. Um uh, now you're treading into he played poorly. Uh oh, I here's what I thought from the game. I got a lot of like not flack on Twitter, but a lot of instant reaction because I was just talking about how well the offensive line played for the Lions, which I think is a top 5 offensive line and definitely um kind of dominated up front that was a big reason why they won but i kept getting replies that was uh all about yeah but jared goff was horrible and i'm sitting back thinking uh, did we watch the same game i thought you know he didn't win them the game but he certainly did not lose them the game or get them in a situation where they would have lost the game he completely that's what i'm trying to say that's what i'm trying to say that were effective and and on target and in key moments, he operated the offense as it was designed. He didn't do anything super incredible, but he was very solid. And, you know, when you look at it in total, that's what you need to win sometimes if you've got a good enough team on the other side of the ball, which the Lions did in holding the Chiefs to 20 points. So I think he's going to be unfairly maligned. And I think this is, um, this is common in the NFL. Reputation often precedes evaluation of a player's performance especially in a week-by-week basis and especially in prime time it happens to kirk cousins every year who by the way had a really rough uh week one turned the ball over three times in the first half of a game that the vikings definitely could have won um and it happens to other guys and it ryan Tannehill, who also had a terrible week one so those are justified but jared goff get off his back let him prove whether you're right or wrong Instead of being ready to jump to that conclusion. That's all I have. I'm asking him to prove me right or wrong. Okay. That's what I'm saying. That's all what right. I'm saying. Speaking of that Minnesota-Tampa Bay game, I mean, locally down here in Tampa Bay, man, people are uh, riding really high on the Bucks right now. Are they? It's, they are. Because they didn't expect Baker Mayfield to lead them to a week one win. No one really. Yeah. Every Bucks fan will say, you know, oh, I, I believe I believed in Baker from the start. They're all lying. They are all absolutely lying. And in fact, the funniest thing was our meteorologist, our chief meteorologist down here at Fox 13, Paul Delegato, in the first half of that game tweeted, in the last year and a half, Baker Mayfield has been on four separate teams. It's yes. almost like the first three knew something because Baker was playing so terribly for the first six drives of the game. <laughs> I hope he deleted that tweet in the second half because Baker <laughs> definitely improved. The offense definitely improved. Um, still definitely a lot of, a, a lot of improvement to be made, but at the same time, when no one really expects anything from you and you come out in a raucous environment up there in Minneapolis and you yeah. get a win over a team that was supposed to just run circles around your defense with KJ Osborne and Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins and Jordan Addison, uh, and, and you keep them in check and you force them to three turnovers, you, you're going to get some, some people than about facing and saying, oh, I, I believed in this team from the start. We'll see where it goes from here. But it, it was encouraging to see that they could do that. Yeah, and um, Sean, I, I'm sure this has, uh, if not dominated, has certainly permeated your um, vision of the news cycle in the sports world down there. Baker's teammate, Rashad White, revealed that Baker figured out Minnesota's <laughs> defensive calls by halftime, which is funny because at first you're like, really? And then if you go track the game back again, which I had just watched that game yesterday, so it was still fresh in my mind. I'm like, dude, he's right. Because I just thought about this sequence, that last drive right before halftime, there's a third and two where Baker sits back and he fires a bullet right in between two defenders on the seam, a bit of like a skinny post run by Chris Godwin, gain a 14 first down. Next play. Nine yards to Mike Evans on the sideline. A few plays later, right over cover two to Mike Evans for a touchdown as if he knew what the coverage was going to be and just had to wait for it to develop in front of him. So when he said, when Rashad White said that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I ran back those plays again and I was like, well, well yeah, you could see where he knows that this is going to be open underneath because that's not an easy throw, but he knows if he throws it just the right time, he's going to squeeze in there for the first down. And then as Evans kind of runs a, a, skin, like a skinny post down the field a bit uh, with a little bit of an outside fake, he didn't even need that, really. He, all he did, had to do that for was to hold that safety to the outside so he could get over top and the inside. But Harrison Smith, they come out in a three-shell look, and I'm getting deep in the weeds here, but they come out in a three-safety look over the top, right? That, that would initially tell you, well, it's probably cover three. That play is not going to be open because you're going to have a deep safety. Smith slides down. It's an inverted cover two. 
wide open, as if Baker knew the defense. It was remarkable when you looked at the numbers, Sean. Uh, and I cannot believe I'm going on this much of a positive rant about Baker Mayfield. But after starting 3 of 11 for 12 yards, Baker Mayfield completed 18 of his final 23 passes for 161 yards and two scores, including a second pass passing touchdown to rookie Trey Palmer, who I think everybody should keep their eyes on. He had a really nice preseason. He's a stud out of Nebraska. Head over to the waiver wire right now. Seriously. And, uh, you're right. Exactly. Fantasy fans. And I'll tell you what, that play, another example of, of Baker just sitting back and waiting and waiting and knowing that this is eventually going to come open underneath. And and the only the offensive I had, line also looked much improved from last yeah. year. And this is still an offensive line that had a lot of questions. My favorite part about today, though, you mentioned Rashad White kind of spilling the beans on Baker Mayfield knew what was coming. Did you hear Baker's response to when he was asked that question? Yeah, he said, well, it helped a lot. And then no, he, said, he also said, no, no, no. They said, do you think it was like cheating? And he goes, oh, well, uh. I'm a fan of the Texas Rangers, not the Houston Astros. <laughs> Baker's always good for a quip or two like that. Where just Here's the thing, though. No, it's not. If someone's tip, if someone no, is like not. tipping their pitches and you figure it out, that's not cheating. That's just playing the game the right way. And he was smart enough to figure that out. I love the fact that everyone said, well, this team's going to suck now because Tom Brady isn't here. Well, no offense. This team sucked last year with Tom Brady. And I feel like that motivation that Tom's not here anymore. We have to fend for ourselves. I don't know. Maybe it leads to a couple more wins this season. I, I had them at like six and eleven. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe they do win the the South and they finish with nine or ten wins. Still, probably don't think it's going to happen, but it would be a hell of a story. It's funny because I watched them on the defensive side of the ball, and I was like, "Damn, they still got a lot of playmakers. Like they still got Devin oh, White, yeah. they still got Levante David, um, uh, Vita Vea was big in that game again. Antoine Except Woodfield for when he crashed there. right into Levante David. Yeah, but you know that happens. It's an old man out there. Game. Easy now, Vita. Uh, Isaiah, the defensive back, the rookie, had his first career interception. He had a great game. Uh, I, I just thought, you know, defensively, this is a Todd Bowles defense. It's just can Todd yep. Bowles get out of his own way as a head coach? That's that's the yes. big question mark. And the other thing that really jumped out to me when I was watching this game before I read all this Baker stuff and dove back into it was, what the hell are they doing? What are the Vikings doing? They were getting after Baker and doing exact. I mean, he looked almost exactly like he did in Carolina last year behind a bad offensive mm -hmm. line, which is forced out of the pocket to the right, running, has nowhere to go with the football picks up two yards and goes head first into a defender when he could just go out of bounds because that's who Baker is. And then they just called off the dogs. Before you knew it, they're dropping eight in coverage. Like, what, you're going to give this guy time to pick you apart? Let's not forget he's yeah. a pretty accurate passer when he's not under pressure. So I think, you know, as much as it was a good win for the Buccaneers in a close game, the Vikings got to come away feeling like, how did we lose that game? After last year, they won so many close games and they were surprised that they went 11-0 in one possession games. It was like, they should have won that game. They gave the ball away three times in the first half. Kirk Cousins did not look great. He didn't look terrible, but he didn't protect the football. Jordan Addison, though, keep an eye on him in Minnesota. I like him as a nice compliment to Oh, yeah, Jefferson, definitely like him. Sure. Definitely. All right, uh, let's continue to move through some of the standout games from last week because the Falcons beat the Panthers 24-10, to and I don't really want to talk about it, but if you look at it at a 24-10 game, it was not that type of game. It's just that... Um, you know, we talk about the NFC South, and it's like, I don't have a, a winner of that division right now. The Saints did not look very good until the second half offensively. Derek Carr certainly needed two and a half quarters to figure it out. Michael Thomas is back, looks healthy, got a little bit of rapport with him. But the star yeah. of that show, Rashid Shahid, he caught the touchdown pass to put him ahead and caught the pass that allowed them to ice that game. I'm going to be very curious to see where the Saints go offensively week to week over the next month and a half, because I think that's going to go a long way toward determining the NFC South. Panthers and Falcons still seem too similar. Desmond Ritter does not excite me, but Bijan, Sean, did you see the juke from Bijan? Bijan looks like an absolute beast, uh, and he can absolutely be a feature back in the NFL. I, everyone was so high on him, and I mean, I don't know why, but I don't know why I thought this, but I didn't kind of understand it. Yeah, he had all the physical attributes, but I didn't know. I, I'm so used to to running backs getting drafting early, and they turn out to be busts, but I don't I don't think that's really the case anymore because you know guys coming out of like high school into college, they 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 are ready for such a pro style offense, and they're ready for such a pro style regiment that it's almost impossible. I feel like for running backs to be busts anymore. Yeah, you know, I think that we as a football nation are way too invested in the fantasy football approach to judging players, and especially rookies. That's when they come too, to the yeah. NFL. I think that, and especially at running back and receiver, because like Jameer Gibbs for Detroit. A lot of people are picking him high off of just expectation with no proof. Like, you don't know how he's going to fit in this offense. He's not the only running back in that backfield. They went and got David Montgomery to make a complimentary backfield that could pound it on the ground and attack you through the air. So they were all surprised. I think we talked about this a little bit where it's like, 
Jameer Gibbs didn't get a lot of run. Well, he had seven carries to 42 yards, but he's not the lead back there right now, especially in a game where they're going to try and control possession on the ground. That's David Montgomery. He's your road. He's your, mm -hmm. he's your grinded out running back who's capable of popping one or two. So stop putting expectations on these guys. Now, Bijan on the flip side, I think kind of lived up to it. But too often, we look at these guys and pin your fantasy football team's hopes, which, by the way, again, a reminder, folks, football season has begun. So I must say, Sean, the PSA that we say all the time, which is nobody gives a damn about your fantasy football team. Stop telling me about it. I don't want to hear about the gym locker room. Oh, thank room. God, because I, I had don't a terrible week in fantasy. Nick. I, uh, thank, thank God no one cares. Tyreek Hill dropped a bomb on my dad, and I won that one in a big way. But I'm not here to talk about my fantasy football team. We know you love to play it, but stop judging guys just based on fantasy performance. Sometimes it's about how they fit in the 11 man lineup. Okay. Yeah. Right. Get off of their backs. Tell you what, too. Um, before we, I mean, we have to talk about the offense charges. Before we talk about that, Jordan Love, hey, three touchdowns, 245 Big yards. Day. Looked a lot better than the last time we saw him Big in the uh, 2019 Frisco Smoothie Bowl. Um, who won that game, Sean? Uh, the Kent State Golden Flashes. Ah, yes. The Kent right State now Golden look Flashes. just. Awful. Awful. We there have we, better days. Kent State. No program There'll in college days. football was pillaged harder than the Kent State hey, Golden Flashes this offseason. We covered, we covered against Arkansas. What was the final? Uh 28 to 6. Oh, that's like a Saban call off yeah. the dogs against them in yeah, Alabama type of game. Yeah. Okay. Oh, speaking of, God, guess who I'm going to see this weekend? Alabama. Yeah, they're in town. Who are they oh South Florida. Yeah. That's yeah, a weird, yeah. that's a weird game. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, they, I mean, USF plays at Ray J. So if they're going to go play a non-conference game against like a group of five team, I mean, they play in an NFL stadium. So, yeah, um, uh, not a great program at this point. They have not been a good program in a, in a while since like Charlie Strong was there. Uh, yeah. But that's an Alabama team that could drop 100 on them if they figure out their quarterback situation. You know, the frustration of losing to Texas last weekend. Uh, that was not an ugly. Or that was not a pretty night. It was pretty ugly. For they they, the they are they are passing around shirts in their green and gold USF colors. And it says we want Bama. And Bama is crossed out and says we want. And then underneath just to cover the spread. <laughs> I was like, well, at least we know at least we know what we're going for yeah good teams win great teams cover lean in baby i love it um yeah uh, uh, i mean who wait, anyway, what, was, what right. was the next game what was the next game you're talking about i lost oh jordan love the, and offense, the packers yeah jordan love yeah um man talk but, about okay so is, start this, the is this a product is this a product though of jordan love having a coming out party or are the bears just still that bad uh, a little bit of both probably a little bit of both yeah probably both um I, i'll say you this. come here for hot takes folks you're not getting them we're very level-headed here yeah we are uh, you know we're professionals that's what we do uh we're not characters on screen paid to sit at a debate desk and fill three hours by making hot takes um he looked like a guy who had three years to marinate and you know what a well-marinated steak tastes <laughs> he, like Sean. he had three years to marinate yeah you know that behind thing's a slightly cool. stoned hippie packed with flavor with and weak wisdom. Achilles. Yeah. Oh, God, way to rub it in. Uh, I, I just thought he looked prepared. You know, he missed some throws, but he looked very comfortable. Uh, the speed of the game was not too much for him. He has an established rapport with those young guys because he's also a young guy. Yeah. They're all on the same yeah. page. And what well, I liked well, the most about it, Sean, was when he at the, when things went haywire, he still played well. Like, there was a, a snap that he bobbled and, and went on the ground. He, like, dribbled it off the ground, essentially. It's all of a sudden an emergency. Like, just get the ball out. He turns throws a pass off his back foot, rainbow down the field to a wide-open Luke Musgrave, fellow, uh, well, he's one of the rookie class members for the Packers, who catches it and should have scored had he not tripped over his own feet after catching it. Um, it, just that, it was that type of day. Everything went right for them. He put a perfect fade on Romeo Dobbs on the very next play for the touchdown that was really the dagger in that game. It was a just all-around good performance from a guy that we didn't really expect that much from. Can I, can I say this, just to, to wrap up the first day? Everything kind of was almost a, an experiment of extremes, okay? We have yeah. Jordan Love throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns, or 200 yards and three touchdowns. He's not going to do that every week. We have the Steelers getting dog-walked by the 49ers. It's not going to happen every week. We have, you know, Tua looking like the best quarterback in the entire country. It's not going to happen every week. I feel like... We are, we're almost given a false sense of security with all of these different yeah. games. And the storylines at some point are going to come back to the middle. The Bucs aren't world beaters. The Steelers and the Bengals aren't, and the Giants, sorry, aren't the worst teams in the NFL. 
maybe the Giants, but you know, you know, you never know. But it, it was it was almost a week like that. Like whatever we expected to happen, the opposite kind of happened. Yeah, um, or, or or an extreme of that prediction. I feel like it'll all come back to the middle. That's what the NFL is anyway. Well, Any week week Sunday, one, right? baby. Week one's all about yeah, week reaction. One. I mean, it's it is it is where we make very brash statements on teams entire outlooks based off of one game four quarters of football that you know can go in one extreme or the other like like you said the giants are not going to be 40 points down bad like that's not who they are everything snowballed as soon as that field goal was blocked because their first drive was pretty good in that game the steelers aren't going to be that bad on a week-to-week basis as long as kenny pickett figures it out um and the Dolphins, though, I think could be that explosive for most of the year. Uh, are we ready to finally give Tua his flowers? Like, he looked If he can special. stay healthy, yes. Yes. I'm, yeah. I mean, with that offense and the way I mean, that he how many people are going to look? How many people are going to look special, though, throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell? A good amount, as long as I can a put it amount. on him. Yeah. But, I mean, exactly. there were a few throws that he just put it right in the perfect spot. And it was a yeah. shootout. A touchdown pass, to too, play. especially. Yeah. Um, it was great. All right. Let's go to well first. I mean, we we got to talk about it. Aaron Rodgers. He yeah. lasts four play four plays. I mean, just I was walking my dog when this happened, and it was actually my dad who texted me and said, "Rodgers done." I was like, "What do you mean he's done? He's out." Okay, Dad. Context details. clues. Details. Details. Time. What happened? Injury. Type. Part of the body. Did he walk off the field? I'm walking Lando here. Come yeah, on, man. Did a sniper get him? Um, yeah, and then when you see the replay, I mean, it, they zoom into his his leg, and you can s- clearly see the Achilles just, like, almost snap and so, straighten. And it's just – it's wild. Um, but I don't know. It's, it is it is football. I mean, all the hype, though. All the hype. And they turn it right back over to Zach Wilson. I know. Um I heard somebody recall a story. Who was it that I heard today? It was Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football. It might have been yesterday. He had to leave the game to get home because he does the show in the morning, and he left right after Rodgers got hurt. And because of uh, torrential downpours, some fans were still late to get to the game. He said he walked past a family that was all wearing Rodgers' eight jerseys. Oh, man. Walking into the game having no idea that he was not playing. And a number of fans walked into that game and went, what is Wilson doing in the game? Like, that's... The gut punch that the Jets fans. If you were not in your seat at kickoff, yeah, you missed Aaron Rodgers' possibly his entire tenure with the New York Jets. Now he's since gone on to Instagram and said that dawn is always, or, you know, it's always dark. No, the night is always dark. It's just before the dawn. It's the the dark night quote. It's the dark night quote. Yeah, yeah. So he's coming back. At least he's alluding to him coming back, but you never know. You never know with him. He's a 40 year old Uh, man that now has to recover. From an Achilles tear, you know it's I'm weird. Sure, that's probably not easy. No, it's not. Um, it was strange because, of course, speculation runs rampant online as soon as he goes out of the game. And it was funny to see people like, "Oh, that's an ankle. Oh, he broke his ankle. Oh, that's a Liz Frank injury. Oh, that's a calf. Oh, that's an Achilles." It's like, dude, that's an Achilles. I didn't see the angle that clearly showed his Achilles tear, which is gross, by the way. Even if you're into, yeah. if you like watching Willis McGahey get his knee blown out because you're into gross stuff. <clears throat> Even this would have grossed you out because when an Achilles snapped, you can see it like reverberate in slow-mo. It's nasty. And that's exactly what happened to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but I didn't see that until like today. And I was like, oh, well, I, oh, the wow. whole time yeah. I'm thinking that's Achilles. Like it's got to be the way that he sat back down, the way he was limping. And, and that's what happened. Now you go to Zach Wilson, who was not great in that game. Let's admit it. Uh, he did enough to get them in position to take the lead and then go to overtime. But he's got to be thanking his lucky stars. <laughs> that they returned the punt for a touchdown in overtime because I felt like we were getting real close to the yeah. tie zone in overtime. He's got, got to thank his lucky stars that Josh Allen just forgot how to play, forgot how to quarterback. That's this what he is does. Ken. That's his what job is quarterback. His job isn't just quarterback. It's turning the ball over three times. Yeah. Four times. And, and trying to be – and you know you want to talk about extremes, Sean? That's what week one was in a nutshell. You were right. In an experiment of extremes – in every game that I watched, it was either a quarterback who was playing within himself and operating the offense as it's intended to be operated or trying to be a superhero. And more times than not, the quarterbacks who try to be superheroes lost their games. Kirk Cousins, uh, not really an entirely a superhero, but kind of trying to be a superhero. Sam Howe won his game, but tried to be a superhero at times. Josh Allen tried to be a superhero. Like More often than not, guys who try to play outside themselves ended up paying for it. That's the volatility that you get in week one. Zach Wilson did not do that, but he didn't do anything special 
that touchdown catch by Garrett Wilson was all Garrett Wilson. And if you're that was ceiling is superhero. Oh, it was incredible. Great call by Joe Buck too. But if your ceiling is now so much lower, like they have a championship level defense. They they probably have the best defense in the league, right? Jordan Whitehead. Hello. How you doing? Pittsburgh native. Yeah. Not sauce Gardner, not DJ Reed. Jordan Whitehead's the guy with all the interceptions. If they play like that every week, they're going to be in every game. It's just can Zach Wilson, like I said about Jared Goff, not lose them the game. I still think they can contend for the playoffs. I don't think they need oh, to go absolutely. out and get a I mean, they were last year uh, to, to a certain extent still with Mike White and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. Like, they were still contending for the playoffs, you know, pretty late into the season. So I think they can. They have a better team around them now. They got some more pieces for Zach Wilson. So they're really going to have to build him up. They've already said, you know, he is the guy. Um, lucky that he's been there for a couple of years, you know. So And now he gets a chance to, to, to prove – all the doubters wrong. I'm not sure he will. Um, but he's also got Aaron Rodgers in his ear now, which he didn't have before. He's got one of the best quarterbacks of all time in his ear. And unless Rodgers just, just totally checks out, which from his relationship with Garrett Wilson and with Robert Sala and just, he doesn't look like he's going to check out. It no. doesn't look like he's going to walk out on this team because he has too much invested in it right now. Although I will wonder how he'll be on whatever. Well, I'm curious what kind of painkiller he takes, knowing what <laughs> he likes to dabble in, whether he goes with the... Being that like he doesn't like trust modern medicine, how do yeah. you fix an Achilles then? Like That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like It's going to get fixed in a traditional way, modern medicine way. But like, what, how are you stopping the pain? That's what I'm curious about. Guys, uh, don't worry. I'm going to have a shaman come and wave his hands. Aaron, you're getting surgery and you're going to like it. Or else right. you don't get your 75 million guaranteed. Uh, on this topic, we got some people participating in the chat. My guy, tall guy, uh, actually lives kind of near me. Uh, big time Madden content creator. Joining the show for the first time. Thank you, sir, for hopping in and participating. He says, go get Matt Ryan and cook. You're oh, crazy. Geez. You're you know crazy. He, hey, I was watching the CBS game. He looked fit. I don't know. He, he looked fit he last year. You know what he looked fit for? Retirement last year, okay? They were terrible with him at quarterback. He played slowly. Their offensive line was bad. They didn't have the weapons. He was overmatched. You're not going to tell me that he's going to go to New York, where an offensive line also struggled to protect both Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson, leading to Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, and suddenly he's going to be the guy? No, not happening. This, unlike what you you know frequent in in your content creation in Madden, this is not Madden. You don't just plug a guy in, but I do think they're going to go get somebody. It's just expecting somebody to go do stuff. Like I, that. I I'd, I'd give up uh, Mitch Trubisky for a first rounder. Yeah. Okay. In what dream yeah, world do you happen. live in? Speaking of Mitch Trubisky, he's a member Florida. of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sean, who had a tough day. They had a very <laughs> tough day. I, I put in the pod rundown. If you saw, you know, biggest winners, biggest losers uh, of of the weekend. Let's transition I mean, to that. <laughs> my the Steelers are the biggest losers for me. I mean, you thank thank God thank. God, the storylines after that beating the Steelers took turned to, wow, the Giants were terrible. Wow, Joe Burrow and his $275 million contract produced nothing. J.K. Dobbins goes down with an Achilles tear. Aaron Rodgers goes down with an Achilles tear. Like, thank God, after that horrible game by the Steelers, people kind of forgot it a little bit because the storylines just continued to pile on for week one. That being said, I thought, oh man, I hate to say this. I had the Steelers winning this game. I did. So did I. Starting, starting, starting off at home, you know. Um, Team that's traditionally slow out of the gate. Correct. The Niners, not the Steelers. Correct. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa, how, how healthy is he going to be? You know, obviously he was going to be in good shape. He was going to play. But I, I think he played almost every snap in the first half until they finally took him out, like when the Steelers were in their two-minute drill uh, to end the first half. I didn't think it would take the Steelers an entire half to get a first down. I mean, it was at, at one point, the Niners had 199 yards of offense to the Steelers one. Uh, Everything that could go wrong in Pittsburgh went wrong. Deontay Johnson's out with it for a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. Cam Hayward's out for like half the season with a groin injury. Kenny Pickett was just god awful. Um, Patrick Peterson says, oh, Brock Purdy has tells. We're going to pick him off a couple times. He got burnt for two touchdowns. They forgot to cover Brandon Ayuk eight times, resulting in two touchdowns there. Well, just no, he was covered was on the one touchdown. Wrong. He just made a great catch. True. He was just – everything went wrong. The only bright spot of the day was was TJ Watt, who, I mean, actually kind of annoyed me because after that strip sack on Brock Purdy, he still celebrated. I'm like, bro, we are down 30-7. to seven. Calm yourself. Yeah. 
Um, it's week one though. That happens. You're still an emotional player. Uh, Patrick Peterson, you're right about getting toasted and having to put his foot in his mouth. Right. But on inside routes that weren't in the end zone, he was actually kind of good. He had a couple of pass no, he was. breakups. No, on the inside. Yeah. He broke up. I think he had two pass breakups yeah, two pass there breakups, in the first. Yeah. yeah he yeah. was, no, I, I, that was fine. And I mean, yeah, Brandon, I, you got to him, but, uh, Everything that went wrong or could go wrong went wrong. And Sean, let me let me read the drive chart to you real quick for the Steelers in case you forgot. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. Why are you doing this? To three me? plays, punt. Three plays, interception. Three plays, punt. Three plays, punt. Three plays, punt. And then twelve plays, seventy-six yards for a touchdown. A beautiful pass, by the way, from Kenny Pickett to Pat Fryermuth. Can I tell you why you should think that you should have reason to hope, real quick? Well, because it's week one and there's seventeen. No, weeks no, left. no, no. Like, this is this is empirical evidence. Okay. All right. Um, Kenny Pickett on passes of less than two point five seconds to release was very good. Like he was much, no, much no, better. You, he, he was holding onto the ball way too long. He almost he was stutter stepping. He definitely, like you said, I don't know if he was trying to be the hero too much, but he was seeing ghosts out there. That 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 Niners defense got to him. His line was giving him time to throw, but how much time? I mean, do you need against that defense, which well, is the best in the league? I hate to say it, but uh, your left tackle, Dan Moore, uh, registered the worst grade among all tackles, according to Pro Football Focus, 75th out of 75. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. But they did start to figure it out, at least on that touchdown drive. Otherwise, not much to be happy about. Um, I also think that because, I mean, the Niners went seven plays, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Six plays, 30 yards, field goal. Nine plays, 73 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 27 yards, field goal. They punted on their fifth possession, and then they went into halftime after the Steelers scored. When you're facing that kind of deficit, the running game is gone. Like, exactly. Najee Harris was a non-factor because they just couldn't run the ball because they were down exactly. by so many points. So you can't judge him off of this game. It's it's so many, and so many Yinzers on Twitter were like, where's Najee? Where's Jalen? Get the ball run. No. Bert, run the dang ball. <laughs> Why? We're down by 23 points. What is running the ball and commanding the clock going to do? We need to score. No, you need to run through downtown and get the Permanis, get yourself a sandwich. What do they call it? Sam- do they call it a hoagie sandwich. grinder? Sandwich. Sandwich. Yeah, there you go. Sandwich. So maybe we'll get Pittsburgh, Sean, uh, to break down the next Steelers game. Uh, on the flip side, since you did mention it, uh, the Cleveland Browns dominated the Cincinnati Bengals with a defense that I never expected to see play like that. 24 to 3 was the final. A lot of rain. Deshaun Watson, very average, C-plus at best. Um, but they didn't need him to be very good because their defense was so good. Grant Delpit was the best player in the defense in the day, led the team in tackles. A transformed player from the last two seasons under Jim Schwartz, who knows how to use him properly. Everybody knew what to do. Refreshing in Cleveland. After two years of watching them point fingers at each other and blow coverages routinely and blow a 13-point lead in the final two minutes of a game against the Jets last year in their home opener, they were the exact opposite this year. They were a great team. They were completely, uh, I hate to use this phrase, but on point because I hate the use of that phrase, but they really knew what to do when it came to assignment and executed it well. And that pass rush, Sean, all the money that they put mm, into that front seven yes. paid off. I think, the, I think the rule of thumb here, what we learned is just don't aggravate the Cleveland Browns. Juju Smith-Schuster, nameless gray faces. The Browns is the Browns. Jamar Chase, Going to go play a bunch of elves. Just stop it. If you don't insult them, I guess you have nothing to worry about. But when you somehow insult, when you for some reason insult the Cleveland Browns, it's like you've just woken the sleeping giant. Yeah, um, which is weird because you should have the motivation to be good on a weekly basis and shouldn't need that. But You should, but it's, it's maybe it's that brownie elf magic. I don't know what it is, Nick. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Uh, the other phrase that... Uh, Jamar Chase used was Cleveland is Cleveland, and uh, that's what the Browns did after the game. I like I, I like I like that better than Browns is the Browns. Uh, I'll show you. Cleveland is Cleveland. Yeah. We'll share screen here, and I'll show you. Uh, Greg Newsom took that to heart with a Cleveland is Cleveland tweet after the game. Yes, uh, loved you, it. You you got to enjoy that. You know, you like a little trash talk. I, I enjoy. I enjoy it. Uh, uh, no, don't. There's too many t-shirts in this town. We don't need that. We don't need that. All right, uh, who else we got? That's that's one of my top winners. We'll see. Browns and Steelers, one of the big losers last week, and one of the big winners facing off on Monday night in Pittsburgh. It'll Monday be a big night game. Football. I mean, big I, game. It, you think it? It's got to be completely different, right? Like, can the Browns' defense look as good? Can the Steelers' offense look as bad? Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, let's see. Let's check my picks that I submitted. 
last night. I had the Browns winning that game 24 to 20. I think that that is going to be near what it's going to be. Probably. Not a lot of points. Good defense I may cry on both myself sides. to sleep that night if that's the case. The Browns, by the way, Sean, I believe are debuting their white helmet in that game, which I know you're not an aesthetics guy, but I think that's going to yeah, look pretty not cool. Not a big fan of that one. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Not we'll see how it looks it. under the bright lights of Acrisure Stadium, one of the worst named stadiums in the league. <laughs> Disaster at Acrisure. That kind of rolls off the tongue, though. Disaster uh, at we, we need to We need to workshop that. Uh, yeah. Big B has joined the chat. And that is one of our... Uh, diehard listeners and he said sean can turby ducky can turby ducky all day every day big b can turby ducky all day uh, every day my guy madden also in here said uh carson went to the jets inbound again this is not madden i know that's your name and that's what tall guy is involved in that's where he creates his content in the world of madden but this is not madden guys let's not jump to conclusions here we need some more winners and losers sean who else you got uh, obviously, we we talked about the Dolphins and Tua. They got to be a winner. Uh, Jordan Love, he's got to be a winner as well. The losers, Joe Burrow, $275 million, and you get me three fantasy points? Three fantasy points? She had uh, 14 for 31, 82 yards, a passer rating of 52.2, which is actually better than I thought it would be, and his worst completion percentage over expected in his career, according to Next Gen Stats. You want to know something crazy? The leading passer in the AFC North is still Kenny Pickett with 180 yards. Yep, that's what happens. This Because uh, Lamar Jackson didn't throw it that much other than just, uh, Zay Flowers. That was a weird game, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's a big loser. But I think Joe Burrow will be better. I think that the Browns live rent-free in his head and have figured out how to get after him. And it was I think so too. none more apparent than on Sunday when their defensive front played better than they ever have against most opponents, and especially against the Bengals. They were harassing him. 11 combined total pressures between Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. Miles is six. Zadarius with five. That is money well spent. Assets well spent to acquire him big time for the Browns. All right. Uh, what about another winner, Sean? Who you got? Um, I don't know. You you give me. Uh, how about the Rams? I mean, all the yeah. talk was about all the talk was about the. I mean, we even even mentioned the Cowboys yet. Of course, the Cowboys drumming the Giants 40 to nothing. They're obviously a winner. But the Rams, we all wrote them off. Cooper Cup is on the IR. The Seahawks were the darling pick to, to make the wild card again. And here comes Matt Stafford and a receiver whose name I can't pronounce. And they just absolutely took it to Puka the Nakua? on the road. Yeah. Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell each had 119 receiving yards, accounting for the lion's share, pun unintended, of Matthew Stafford's passing total on the day. An excellent four-quarter so, performance for the Rams. Maybe the Rams aren't as dead as we thought they were. Hey, they're, they're, they're a big winner this week. Here's your we- flowers. Weird game. Uh, the Seahawks could do nothing. And they had 12 total yards in the second half. <laughs> they were horrible. You know why? Because Dave Canales isn't in Seattle anymore. He's here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's that's why so Baker that's Mayfield why. was good. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, big winner for me, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. That is how you make a statement in the first game of the post-Aaron Rodgers era. We've already broken that game down. I don't need to say all that much more. Big loser, the New York Giants. Uh, detonated amid much a bigger than that. torrential that downpour. bigger than that. At MetLife Stadium. Oh, my God. Talk about a game shifting on one play. Snowballing into an avalanche. Biggest loser. All the Jets fans that bought Aaron Rodgers jerseys. Eh, Put him in the mothballs till next year. See if he comes back. Uh, Last winner of the day for me, Sean. The last winner is Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. He can add a one-point win over the Broncos on the road. Josh McDaniels has uh, been under a lot of fire since he got to the Raiders. He's doing the whole Patriot way. I don't care what you think. I'm going to build my team the way I want to build my team. Him and team, him and Dave Ziegler have been uh, that way so far. And it's attracted a bit of hate. But Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Myers, they got that thing going, baby. Two touchdowns between them. They did enough. And they got a win over Sean Payton, who decided to start his first game as Broncos coach the way he won the Super Bowl with the Saints with an onside kick. They did not recover it this time around. Russell Wilson, sneaky winner. Played pretty well. Yeah. A lot better Played than he did last well year. pretty well in a loss, yeah. Yeah, a lot better than he did last year. Uh, otherwise, losers, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, oh buddy. Woo. It's going to be a rough year in Tennessee. Ooh. It is going to be a rough year in Tennessee. I, the Jags have that division locked up. Speaking of winners, Jags. Um, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, baby. Nice little yeah. game for him. That pick is not yeah. his fault. Um, I thought he played pretty well. He's continuing on that path that he set for himself you know what i i will year. i will i will also take away one pick from from kenny pickett 
Yeah. One pick was not on yeah. him. One pick. That one where Deontay Johnson fell. Yeah. Uh, but that he was, wasn't. Yeah. He, he, tried, he tried to be a superhero. Like we said before, he, he tried to be a superhero. I All can right. be a hero, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for the NFL, Sean. I think we shift gears. Uh, but before we shift gears, Big B, uh, big winner. Uh, actually, biggest loser is Kadarius Tony. he says. Because of oh, well, he, yeah, we didn't even mention him. Yeah, I feel like that's been talked about enough at this point. Eight targets, no catches, three drops, I think. Uh, Logan checking in from the YouTube side. Thank you, sir, for getting us some views on YouTube. So did anybody have a worse day than Bears fans? Yeah, the Jets, the Giants, the Steelers, the Bengals. Oh, yes, I, I was I was literally beside. I was hungover downstairs in our game room watching the Steelers game because I don't have cable. Um and just had random people walking in, watching me in my Steelers garb, just like sink lower into a depression. So yeah, yeah, a lot of people have worse days than Bears fans. Jets fans, Aaron Rodgers himself. Big loser, Sean's local cable provider for not inking him to a contract. Got to be yeah, it's too expensive. Guys. Got sling. All right, let's shift gears over to the Formula One side, where the Monza race is more than a week old at this point. Um, shouldn't wait, 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 wait. You're skipping, you're skipping everyone's favorite segment, Nick. Oh, you're right. Oh, I almost let you off the hook, Sean. I almost let you off the hook. And you know why? Because I didn't. Katie's not here one week, and this all goes to hell. Oh, folks. (laughs) Sean, Sean likes to be tortured, apparently. It is time. Usually pretty good at this. For America's favorite game show. It's the game show that's sweeping the nation, in which we put one of our co hosts, usually one of the three, now two tonight. Under fire, in the crosshairs, under the gun, however you want to say it. And today, his is the, the willing participant is Sean Barry. I don't know why he's willing, but he's willing. Big B, this is your favorite segment, and as he's correct here, he said Nick, Nick didn't, didn't even, even know. know. Nick didn't even know. I didn't. Sean, what is the name of this segment? Do you even know? All right, Sean, are you ready? I'm ready, man. Ready, ready as I'll ever be. Let's do it. All right. So today's trivia is going to come from the world of the NFL, where you think that, hey, you know, I know this pretty well, right? Well, well yeah, maybe, but we're going to go win the Wayback Machine. We're going to quiz you on some NFL origins history, because in celebration oh, wow. of week one, that's where we're going. Sean, the first question, do you even know? The NFL began playing in 1920 under a different name. What was that name? Uh, The American Football conference or yeah american football league no ah. the american football league was a rival league that ended up merging with the nfl the answer is the american professional football association if you didn't know that i don't blame you one bit because that's a mouthful i'll give you a bonus related to that this does not count as question number two but when did the apfa ugh, adopt the name of the national football league what year um was it be- can i have a hint was it before the merger Yes, well before okay. the merger. Um, I'm going to guess 1933. 1922, so you're kind of Oh, come on. I know there were a bunch of teams that started in 1933, so I but just figured maybe that was the time. Price is right rules say you lose. All right, Sean, question number two. We're flying through it today, baby. Do you even know? Actually, the NFL was founded at an auto dealership in Canton in 1920, which is why the Pro Football Hall of Fame is located in Canton. Do you even know the name of the manufacturer of the automobiles sold at that dealership? Jesus Christ, I told you you were going to hell, baby. Wow. Wow. Is the automaker still around today? No, it is not. And it is not a Plymouth. Um, He was driving a Plymouth. Can I? (laughs) Pontiac. No. That's actually not, that's not, that's that's an even better guess. You're never going to get it. The answer Uh, is Pupmobile. A what? H-U-P mobile, Pupmobile. I have, I've never even heard of that car manufacturer before in my life. I'm just glad you said Studebaker because that's a throwback right there. All right, he's over to you folks. And I'm being extremely difficult. This one you might get. These are hard this week, man. Yep, yep. Um... You know the names of the teams that combined during World War II to field a squad in 1943 and 1944. Those are, of course, Sean. The Steagles. And? And Cardpit. Yes, correct. But do you know with whom the Steelers nearly merged 
Do you even know who they nearly merged with before deciding to join with the Chicago Cardinals in 1944? Um, we might get it. He might get it. Is it? I mean, is it the is it the Browns? No, because the Browns didn't exist until 1946. Oh, I did not know that either. But you're close. Would it have been the Lions? No. The Bills? Would you like one more guess? Uh, Cowboys. No. The Cowboys weren't founded until 1916. They were a member of the American Football League. The answer is the Cleveland Rams. Oh, didn't and the know reason, that. And the reason that they did not join up with them is because the year prior, the Rams requested to fold to have a I feel um, like a year you should off. have given me half credit on that one because I said Cleveland. Yeah. So like. Yeah. So we'll give you half a point. So Sean goes. Right, I got uh, half a point out of three. Point five out of three, and that rounds up another rousing and very quick edition of. David now. All right. Now we're gonna go over to F one. Even though I messed yeah. up last time. Uh, Big B's guesses were great, by the way. He said Pontiac, and then he said Ditto, Sean. Yeah, um, I was. I don't know why that showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Slurry. Um, all right, F1. Where were we last week? Oh, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, Monza, Monza. The Fun Temple race. of Speed. Fun the home race. of Ferrari. Um, yeah, it was a fun race. Ultimately, we got a, a pretty boring podium, though, with Max Verstappen winning, Sergio Perez in second, and then Ferrari digging on the podium there with Carlos Sainz. Um, the headline there, Max wins his 10th race in a row, breaking a record he was tied with with Sebastian Vettel for most consecutive race wins in a row. Red Bull continue their dominance. They've won every single race this year. Um, so before we get to talking about this upcoming race in Singapore, Nick, we do have to start asking this question. Is Red Bull going to sweep? Earlier in the season, we asked him, we said, well, you know, the law of averages say someone is going to win sometime. Yeah, that hasn't happened. At any of the tracks where we thought it could be possible, um, I don't think it's really possible in Singapore. Um, I thought that Monza gave us our perhaps our best test of Red Bull's machinery in a long time, because Ferrari was remarkably quick and super competitive and aggressive. Elbows out, baby. I mean, for like the first sixteen laps, Carlos Sainz was not letting Max through before Max finally got around him. It took him a long time to get around him. Uh, it took Sergio Perez quite a long time to get around the Ferraris and get into P2. And then the Ferraris almost took themselves out in that race. So uh, I think we need to prepare for a sweep. I think that we need to appreciate the fact that Red Bull is this good. And a lot of it has to do with Max Verstappen's drive. I know they have the best car, but Max Verstappen's driving ability is what's really separating he them right now. He is not making any mistakes None. whatsoever. That car is not making any mistakes. How many DNFs do they have this year? I don't know. Max doesn't have any. Perez has a few. Oh, I, yeah, but, but they still don't have many at all. So it's just that car is not making mistakes. The team is not making mistakes. The only driver that has made mistakes is Sergio Perez. And they've won every single race. Um, I, think it's, I think now at this point in the season, it is more likely than not that Red Bull will sweep. Because they're not going to give it up in Singapore. They're not going to give it up in Suzuka in Japan. Not going to give it up in Coda. I mean, maybe Brazil. Maybe, yeah. Uh, and Brazil is going to be a tricky one. Yeah, McLaren, McLaren pushing uh, them. Maybe Mercedes won last them. year. Yeah, Ferrari's coming on strong though. McLaren have kind of almost taken a step back a bit. We are actually getting to the point where we don't have that many races left. Um, when we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight races left. What if it's Vegas? What if the that, one race they lose is Vegas? Oh, you just blown my mind, great. sir. That'd be great. Oh, that would be um, a lot of fun. No, but at this point in the year, the way Red Bull is driving, just with the ferocity of Max Verstappen, I say this sweep. At this point, I say this sweep. Um, an update on the point standings, just to give you an idea of how far ahead Red Bull is after winning every race. 583 constructors points. The next closest team, Mercedes at 273. They have doubled them up in constructors points. Max Verstappen owns a uh, mental math, a 145-point lead over his teammate, Sergio Perez, who owns a 49-point lead over Fernando Alonso, who is somehow still in third, even though he hasn't done anything of note in a long time. 
He stacked up those podiums at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of, what, what what is his lead? What is what mental math right now? What is Fernando's lead over his teammate Lance Stroll? Oh boy! Wow, you're really trying to poke the bear here. All right, well we got to scroll down a bit of a ways here. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is uh, let's see, fifty one twenty three is the lead right now he has over Lance Stroll, um, who's currently P nine in the drivers' standings. That in- is the biggest lead any teammate has over his teammate in the on the entire grid. Even though even even Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, that to me is wild. Equal machinery, and you still have a car that is not winning races, but is still 120 plus points better than your teammate. That's that is wild. Skill. Lance needs to get out of the sport. He does not, in fact, have that dog in him. He needs to go play tennis. An interesting battle in the driver's standings exists between the two Ferraris, which maybe explains why they were so aggressive in battling each other to the end. They were literally told in the last lap of the race, no risk, just get to the end. And they almost took each other out in that race and battled all the way to the finish. Carlos Sainz owns a six-point lead over Charles Leclerc right now, P5 and P6. That's going to be fun to watch. And um, I think a bit of a surprise, maybe. If you watch F1, you're not surprised. But if you are a casual follower of it, Lewis Hamilton owning a uh let's see 55 point lead over george russell i thought it would be a little bit closer than that i thought it would be closer this year last year uh george beat him in the overall standings but now you're starting to see lewis say yeah this is my team and you're you're in my house another fun uh teammate battle pierre gasly with a one point lead over esteban Ocon. that's fun I don't know if that's so much fun as it is. Where did Alpine go? Because they were pretty decent last year, and now they're just squarely in the back of the midfield. But and you, know, you know what I was surprised by is a guy who's been driving really well, one of my favorites to watch on a weekly basis because he drives for Williams. Alexander Albon only has 21 points. Yeah. I feel like that's he's huge for Williams, better but than that's, that. But that's huge for Williams. I mean, he was in the thick of it at Monza. Like, yeah. And that's not a great car. And he held off he held off Lando Norris and that McLaren for the entire race, pretty much, which was so weird because normally McLaren is so good at Monza because that is their car is known for straight line speed. And the Williams had more straight line speed. Not only that, McLaren just couldn't I don't know, they couldn't get it together. I expect bigger things from them down the road. Um, Afterwards, they were quick to say, yeah, we knew we weren't going to be good because there's slower corners here. Yeah, but you're always traditionally pretty good at Monza, but we'll see. If we're wrapping up the season and the sweep to Red Bull and we need something to look forward to, I think this is where we find it is in these standings and in these battles. And I think as I look down the constructors list, I am curious to see if we get a a separation of sorts or a photo finish between two teams. One team that I did not expect to be this high in the standings right now, but they've come on strong as of late, and that's Ferrari. They only own an 11-point lead over Mercedes. Could this come down to Lewis Hamilton finding a way with a car that he still does not agree with and set up changes that he doesn't agree with, which could send me in a whole diatribe because it's 11-point difference. Yeah, yeah. Ferrari has a lead of 11 points. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Aston Martin, not Mercedes. I'm, I got that. I'm reading that wrong. I was going to say, no, Mercedes very, is in second place. I'm no, Mercedes fairly has, certain Mercedes is they in have, second place. They have a comfortable lead. It's over Aston Martin, which makes Ferrari more sense has. Ferrari has definitely been looking a lot better lately. I wonder if part of that is, okay, we're going home to Monza. We need to be good there. You know what I mean? Like they have to perform well at Monza. They, they always drove work like out it. that way. And yeah. they, they drove like it. So, but their car is still performing well. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting regardless, because now we have so many cars that are close to each other, whether it is, I'm not even going to say Aston Martin, whether it is Fernando Alonso versus McLaren versus Ferrari versus Mercedes, we have these cars that are close to one another now. It's fun. I mean, it, there's still a reason to watch. Uh, yeah. You're not watching the leader anymore, and that's fine. But like in that race in Monza, there was good racing all the way to the end in the midfield. And if if that's what you tune into F1 for is to watch good racing, you're still getting it. And that's what's important. I'm very curious to see what happens next year. I know I don't like to look too far ahead at this point because we still do have eight races left. But, you know, McLaren has kind of puffed its chest out since they came on strong at, at uh, Silverstone. Zach Brown said that the the wind tunnel and everything is finally up to par and that there's nothing else in their way and that they should be a championship contender. Yeah, With but Lando and Zach Oscar Piastri, chet, But Zach Brown is a chatty Cathy. Yeah, he's a salesman. You know who else is a chatty Cathy, by the way? Not to completely digress here, but Helmut Marco, shut the hell up. Stop talking. Huh. 
My God. Oh, Look, my God. Helmet, if you're going to be racist, at least be geographically correct. Because yeah. he was talking about, if you haven't heard, Helmet Marco was talking about how, well, Sergio Perez is South American. So, you know, he naturally can't, you know, focus the way that Max Verstappen can. It's like, could you be any more underlying racisty, you know, old Austrian guy? Like, you're literally being like an, an evil villain from an Indiana Jones movie right now. You just need a monocle. Um, yeah, same. And and he's and he's also now recanted on that. But if you're Sergio Perez, you're going, what the hell, man? Yeah. Really, dude? Like, like I'm in second place. The team is in first place. Yeah, I'm not having my best season with you guys. But like, what the hell? Helmet has also. He's not South American because Mexico is in North America. Yeah, thank Central you. America. If we really want to get nitty gritty to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Helmet has spoken enough to make. If Sergio was just like, I'm done. Like I don't want to drive for you guys anymore because you suck. I would totally understand that because he's like throwing him under the bus, not once, not twice, like 10 times. He's thrown him a bus under the bus enough times for every wheel on the bus to hit him three times. Okay. That's how often they trashed him. Yeah. Put it in reverse, peeled out, you know, the whole nine. It's just been an ugly situation for a team that's dominating. Applaud them, give them appreciation. He's not the best teammate when it comes to strength, but you guys are dominating. And it's not just because of Max. A lot of it's because of Max. He would still be leading the field on himself, by himself. But let's not overlook the fact that Sergio's still been a pretty solid driver for the most part. Let's not, def- let's not forget that the Mexican Minister of Defense is the only reason Max Verstappen has his first world title in the first place. That and a lot of shady stuff going on behind the scenes with Michael Massey. But that's neither here nor there. No, Michael, no. That's no, still not no. fair. Sergio um, with the wide rear end blocking my cars. No. All right. Singapore. Singapore. It's going to be wet. It's going to be wild. It's going to be human as all hell. Um, I, I sent you a video today of Charles Leclerc. Uh, he is preparing for Singapore by not sleeping at normal hours. And that's kind of what they do. So he's going for like midnight drives through the French countryside from Monaco to the Paul Ricard circuit to, to drive for an hour at night. Yeah, I mean, that's how he's handling the jet lag. He's just not sleeping now, so he can sleep later. That's an interesting strategy. I've heard cotton. a lot of drivers do it. Like, they, they wake up at, like, they just, they don't, they don't switch their schedule around. They just get their normal, like, eight hours of sleep, but they go to bed at, like, you know, eight o'clock, and they'll wake up at 4 a.m. I like that. I wish I could commit to something like that instead of staying up until yeah. two or three in the morning every night. Yeah, same, same. Does it pay Um, off? We'll find out. It's one of the most physically grueling races on the calendar, so we can we can definitely anticipate that. But at least they're preparing. These guys are professionals, man. I know we see the old videos of are they of Sergio Perez with the neck training and the the wheel turning training and F one training so hard. We've seen that a million times, okay, on your social media accounts. But it's a lot more than that. And they might be small guys, but they are athletes. They are elite athletes, even if the way they do it is by driving machinery. Okay, let's not lose that all right uh should we just dive right into podium predictions here yeah go into podium predictions um go, go ahead with yours first okay well uh no surprise max verstappen wins um da, but it's da, not da, da. it's, it's 11 straight Stappen. yes max 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 super max um but it's not gonna be a one-two red bull because i think we're gonna get some tomfoolery some hijinks and tomfoolery, some hijinks all right because I'm it's a street you. circuit i think we're gonna get okay. some unexpected results all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with your boys. I'm gonna go with McLaren P2 oh. Lando Norris, and all right, powered by their awesome third alternate livery of this year. You know, if anybody Here's likes custom paint jobs, it's the McLaren. Here's the thing about that: I think McLaren have like the worst looking car on the grid when it's their normal livery, but their one-offs, there's there's you know surprise liveries. Whether it was the 60th anniversary one at Monaco, uh, the Chrome one. At, uh, at at Britain or this black and orange one, the stealth mode, they're all fantastic. All of them, fantastic. That should be their normal livery. I love it. It is awesome. Yeah, um, and it would save them on paint. They could put more weight in other things and less in, in the car, you know? Like, they, yeah. they could, you yeah. know, because that's what Williams love had it. to do last year, just keep steadily scraping paint off. Speaking of which, scraping paint, discovered a really cool livery today back from 2019, ran at the uh, German GP, the last German GP at the Hockenheim ring. By Mercedes, which was honoring its 200th Grand Prix. And um, it was a mishmash of the past and present. Their car color, the German national color for racing used to be white. 
And then they transitioned to silver because they had to scrape the white paint off to make the weight limit for a race way back in the day. So the livery was white in the front and then it was like slowly peeled away to silver and then a little bit of black in the back. One of the best ones I've seen ever. I don't know how I didn't discover it until now. This one ranks right up there with it. Among the ones that they've done this year, Sean, because the chrome one was awesome. A, a throwback to the Lewis Hamilton days when they were a chrome and red car back in the day. Uh, which one's the best this year? Is it this one? Uh, no, I got to go with the chrome one. Got to go with chrome. That was awesome. It was beautiful. It was great. I it think was, all of them were very good. Mwah, but, magnifique. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were in the middle of your podium predictions, by the way. Yes, I was. So we got Max 1, Lando P2. And I'm a little torn on this one because I don't believe in Aston Martin anymore, even though Fernando Alonso continues to drive his tail off. I'm going to go Carlos Sainz, Ferrari. They're, yeah, they're going okay. to find a way to, avoiding, to avoid their botch strategy, which they've done too many times. I think that Lewis Hamilton is going to be in the conversation. I think that Charles Leclerc will be right there. Uh, but I love the way Sainz is driving. He's driving like he has a point to prove because, you know, yeah. Charles is like the, the darling of Ferrari as of now, although that could change in a couple of years. And it's like Carlos is like the redheaded stepchild of Ferrari. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I'm good too, damn it. And I'm going to prove Charles it Charles is definitely daddy's favorite. And Carlos yeah. is like, I'm here. I'm here. Pay attention to me. me love Papa. me too. So we're going love Max, me. Max Lando, Carlos Sainz. That's my podium. All right. I'll give you mine. One, Max Verstappen. I know Sergio Pering, uh, Perez asked, excuse me, Sergio Perez is the king of the streets, but Max is just driving too darn good right now. His streak will not be snapped. You mentioned Sergio Perez. You mentioned Singapore is a street circuit. How are you not going to include the king of the street circuits? Got to be in bold at some three? point. Got to be bold. Sergio Perez, number two, Red Bull going a one, two, four, I second straight race, third straight race, third uh, straight race, I think. Yeah, I think so. And finally, uh, number three, I agree with you. It will be a Ferrari, but I am going with Charles Leclerc because he also has something to prove. He cannot be beaten in the standings by his teammate, Carlos Sainz, two of the last three years. He's got to catch up to him. I think he does it this weekend with a podium finish. Oh, no, actually, they did not go one two at Zandvoort. That was um, oh, okay. Fernando Alonso, P2, and Pierre Gasly, ah, P3. All you right. were thinking about uh, Belgium, a little spice. Yes. Uh, okay, your bold prediction, Sean. It is a street circuit. We are prone to hijinks. I don't think we're going to get any. I think we will have a clean race. Wow. And I think there will be no safety cars. Uh, here's a bold prediction just because how, off, how often does this happen? This type of bad luck happen again and again and again? An AlphaTauri will fail to finish the race again, much like it's okay. happened to Yuki Tsunoda two of the last three races. I don't know if that's bold because it's, bold it's, because it's just like record. could it really happen again yeah it's, that's why it's bold okay it's reverse bold i don't know what the reverse italic it's an italic prediction <laughs> all right time for our last segment of the day we're gonna get out of here under 115 that's pretty good yeah, that was 45 go. it's 103 all right hate it or love it sean what is your hate uh if i may i would like to wrap up my hate and my love all in the same one if that's oh, okay with you interesting okay all right. We at the, at the beginning of the show, Nick, you so eloquently put it that we are missing Katie this week because she is uh, taking care of her dog, Carl, best friend of the pod, because Carl is in his last days. So I love Carl. He is a good boy. I loved when he graced, you know, his presence with us week by week. And you could hear his little tippy tap sometimes under the desk. So I love Carl. And I hate that Katie and Carl are going through this right now. He is unfortunately headed for the Rainbow Bridge, but, you know, it's a bond as a dog owner that, you know, they'll have forever. And hopefully she's only left with the uh, the good memory. So I both love Carl and hate that they're going through this right now. You, you talked about me saying that eloquently. I don't think it could be said any better than how you just said it, my friend. Um, that is, I love that the companionship. I'm going to do it in reverse order. Actually, no, I'm not. We'll save that. Because my hate is not related to this, but I do love their companionship. And that is going to be my love that I'll dive into in a second. Because we do hate first, then love. Because you always got to finish on a positive note. So, side track here. We'll go to my hate real quick. Delivery services. White glove delivery services suck. Okay. Uh, I, for the first time in my adult life, am getting a brand new couch. Yes, I'm the guy who buys a used couch. As gross as it might be, it's worked out for me at this point. I got one from Costco, and they were supposed to deliver it this morning between the hours of 7.30 and 9.30. And I woke up on time, and I had a missed call from a local number, and then I got a phone call from Costco, so they were outside ready to deliver it. 
They couldn't find my house from the street, so they just left. My living room is now empty. There's no couch there. There's no furniture. Oh, my goodness. Until Saturday. Be better, delivery services. Be better. <laughs> All right, now for my love. <laughs> I love, like I said, Katie and Carl's companionship. The way that Carl has been there for Katie, the dog that he's been, the photos that we get from them out in the trails, their adventures, the good boy that he's always been, the supportive pet that he's always been, and friend to Katie. I hope he enjoys his last days. I know Katie's doing everything to make sure he's comfortable and really soaking up the time they have together. And I love Katie's part of this podcast. I love the friendship that we've built through this podcast with her. And the fact that even though we're not there geographically, we can be there to support her through what is undoubtedly a difficult time. And I love that, you know, our listeners appreciate her role in this podcast and what she brings to the table and the person that she is. Like Madden, who chimed in and said, I miss Katie. Y'all are lacking Canadians. You're right. We are lacking Canadians. I sometimes, I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh. We are sometimes described as drunk Canadians with a mouthful of loose change. Yes. That do it for you? Rusty nails and all that stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah. So we're looking forward to when Katie comes back. Uh, whenever that is, we'll hold down the fort. And again, best wishes. Carl, you'll make that trip over the Rainbow Bridge when you do, and it'll be one of the best in history, my friend. All right, Sean, that wraps it up. That is episode 14 of what is formerly known as the Sean and Shook podcast. This time it's the Sean and Shook edition <laughs> of the Gridiron podcast. Thank the Sean you. and Shook edition of the Gridiron podcast. I like yes. it. Thank you for, for hanging Shook, out with us. For the absence of Katie Caldwell, for Carl, I am Sean Barry. Uh, and as always, live life in the fast lane.